0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're really glad you're here we got a special guest, <clears throat> as usual. I mean, all of our guests are special, but this one especially. His name is Corey Taylor, and he's with Fortis LLC, and we're going to be talking about something that we might have talked about once before in the last three or four years, um, tax sale investing, tax liens, deeds, things like that, some really cool stuff, great creative ways to get more properties, to make more money in this business. But Alex, how are you, my man? I am doing well, doing well. Good. Working on any deals right now? Yeah, actually, um, unfortunate. uh, We've
1: had some crazy, annoying sickness going through the family that one of the kids must have picked up somewhere, (laughs) and uh, uh, I got a lead on, well, let's see, it was Thursday, I think it was Thursday um, when one of the first, the kid started to come down with it. And, uh, we're just starting to get over it. So if I'm a little foggy more than normal, I apologize, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, that's cool. I, I got a a lead from my one 800 fair offer website. It was, uh, I think it came in at like eight o'clock in the morning and I called the guy right back and, uh, he, he wanted to sell his place for 62 is what he said. And I said, and I said, well, what do you owe? he's like, Oh, 52. I said, well, did you sell for that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, well, I could just send you this document via HelloSign, and you just click it and sign it and send it back, and we got a deal, right? He's like, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> nice. It it wasn't as easy as that, though. It's you know, sometimes I feel like we make it too easy for the for the seller because, <laughs> you know, I went out there because he wanted to meet me. He just said, "This is too easy. You can't. I can't. You can't just." give me this price and without looking at the house and I'm like well I mean I'm going to tear the house down so it really doesn't even matter what I'm going to do you know right. I don't even need to see the house he's like well I'm kind of an old fashioned guy so I'd like to uh I'd like to meet you I'm like okay so I packed one of my sons in the car because <laughs> you know uh, my wife has had her right. hand full with all the other sick ones training your protégé that's right. That's right. <laughs> and it is an ugly house, too. It's very ugly house. And it'll be one probably we tear down and, and do new construction. But it was funny because he was just like, this is just too easy. And I, right. it, it made me think of uh, getting a tagline um, for 1-800-Fair-Offer. Maybe it's, it's supposed to be easy.
0: Well, <laughs> part <laughs> of the know? problem is sometimes when I'm and – I, and I do this when I'm talking about lease options to sellers – um, they may think like it just sounds too good to be true. What's the catch
1: that's exactly what he said. It <clears throat> sounds too good to be true, and most you know and the the key with dealing with people is being able to read who you're dealing with and this guy was a federal uh employee, you know he worked for the post office. I would say he was probably getting close to oh probably in his fifties, I would say, and just didn't the type of person where you almost need to throw in some friction in there. Interesting. Uh, You know, I I believe you need friction to make somebody get that decision and own that decision. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Because if you just say, you know, even though he was offering 60 and I came back at 52, I mean, that is some friction there, but still he was just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, wow. Okay. So, uh, so it seemed like this guy needed some credibility, right? Because he's hearing a voice over the phone, and I, he found me online with one eight hundred fair offer, which is great. Yeah. Um, so that helps me there. You know, I made when I went out there, I made sure to bring my business card. Um, I even drove my Escalade out there because, like, this guy needs some credibility. <laughs> I'm going to bring out. I'm right. going to pull out all the stops on this one. Um, and then I, you know, said I'm a member of the uh, member of the Better Business Bureau. Uh, you can check references and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, this would just be really bad if I lost this deal because. And I'm even giving him what he wants. And <laughs> well, <laughs> but we got it. We got the contract. We'll probably tear it down, build a new house, make like forty five thousand or something like that.
0: Good for you. How long will it yeah. take you to build a new house? Uh probably four months. Well. We have to go
1: through development obviously and dealing with the city and dealing with permits but we we have a proven model now that we've been using that sells really well about twenty two hundred square feet four bedrooms, two and a half bath, double car garage and uh, people seem to like that it seems to fly off the shelf once it uh once it gets up there so you know four or five months, either that or I could wholesale it for probably. I don't know, maybe 62, but I think I'll go, uh, you know, I I enjoy the new construction, so we'll go for the bigger money. It's a whole
0: lot easier, isn't it? You don't have to, what is
1: new construction? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't have to worry about what's behind the walls. You know, Right. Well, I see,
1: there's other things we've done, we've done where we'll rip every single wall down, but two and leave the foundation and maybe do a little bit of an addition off the back and then make scrape it out completely to where it's just a foundation and a box Hmm. and build up from there. And uh, that seems to work well, too. But then again, you're playing with an existing foundation that you got to make sure is good. You know, the house is built in the 50s. Yeah. And you got to make sure your footers are deep enough, a whole bunch of boring stuff that I won't get into.
0: <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that uh, the PPC is working for you. 1-800-Fair-Offer. Yeah. Yep. You, uh, you guys are going to be releasing that again pretty soon here, aren't you?
1: Yeah, Sean Terry and I should be doing something in the beginning of February, I believe. Nice. So be on the lookout.
0: Very good. Good, good. So guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. I don't have any other update to really give. Um, Marketing has just
1: been... Get the Fast Cash Survival Kit.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say first before I got to that though real quick, we have been doing a ton of marketing and I don't see the leads at all. I mean, they just go to the wholesalers. I have started actually doing marketing for realtor listings recently. I've oh, part, interesting. I've partnered with a top producing agent here. I'm doing the marketing, she's taking the leads, and I'm going to get a share of the commissions. And um now are you an agent Joe still? Yes, yes
1: I am. Realtor Joe.
0: So that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be repeating I mean I'll be giving more details about that as I as we're going. I I've been doing some Facebook ads for seller leads and that's been going pretty well, but it's I'm about about I'm Whoa, at about ten Facebook to twelve.
1: Ads for seller leads, has been going well. That usually is
0: terrible. Well, I've been doing. I've been paying about ten to twelve dollars per lead.
1: That's really cheap, actually.
0: And but it's more of a hey, do you want to determine the value of your house? Ah, gotcha. And um, anybody that visits the website, that lead goes to the realtor right away. And so they're still working those leads. Um, we got about thirty-five leads from that campaign. I spent about four hundred bucks. Not bad, and um, so I'm I'm pleased with that. I just tr- still trying to figure out, you know, this this agent. The reason why I work with top producing agents is because they already have the systems in place. They are they already understand sales and marketing, and they're going to jump on those leads. They're really good already at listing presentations and follow up and all of that stuff that goes involved that goes into that. And I'm only targeting nicer homes in nicer areas. So these properties in the St. Louis area are above the median price range. These are properties that are 200 to 400000 plus. and plus. Um, so I'm excited about it. We'll see what happens. I'm thinking about bringing on a VA with really good English to actually make the initial call first and try to set the appointment and then get a higher percentage of the commission, maybe 50%. If I can get set the appointment for the realtor, maybe I can get... Um, you know, I just money loves speed, and many times when these sellers visit that website and they put in their information, if you don't call them within five minutes, your chances drop dramatically. If you don't to 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 reach them and talk to them again later on, do you know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking about bringing on a VA in house to kind of help with that, but I'll be reporting on that more as we go. That's kind of what we're focused on now is just doing a ton of marketing for a bunch of people all over the country, and we're partnering them with students on deals. Um but I wanted to read a review we got on our podcast. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, um, you can see our fast cash survival kit. we tell you how we flip deals and we also have on there uh, an episode about 10 episodes ago where we show you how you can get a bunch of really cool free stuff. If you leave us a review on iTunes, our ethical bribe is if you leave us a review good or bad, we will give you a bunch of really cool bonuses that. You can't get anywhere else. And if you go to uh, realestateinvestingmastery.com, look up this show called "Leave a Review, Get Cool Stuff." I think is what it's called. Something really creative like that. And uh, we just really would appreciate the reviews because it helps us with the rankings in iTunes. It helps us grow this show. We have like 146 um, countries, people, listeners in about 140 something different countries listening to this show. Um, every week well I don't know if it's every week but all over the world people are listening to this and um, I want to uh, get this message out there I do want to read one good review because uh, he talks about my awesome video content here you ready? (laughs) (laughs) let's
1: hear about your awesome video content
0: yeah yeah okay great glad you asked so this is uh, from Tap Out 1977 I'm wondering if he was born in 1977 this is amazing content five stars sounds like
1: a fighter
0: yeah, he says, I, he or she says, I just watched the brilliant at the basic videos that Joe posted on his podcast. And the third one absolutely blew my mind. After watching that, there is no reason at all for me not to have leads pouring in every day. That video is a game changer. If you are a wholesaler, please watch it. I guarantee you'll be amazed. Thanks, Joe. How cool is that? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very That's much. That's awesome, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I know. <laughs> That's why I read it. But uh, please leave us a review, guys. We'd appreciate it. And so now enough of that. We want to talk about Corey Taylor. Corey is uh, from Alex's Neck of the Woods in the Virginia area. Is that right, Corey? It is. Yep. And um, where exactly do you live again or what, what market are you working in?
2: Well, we I'm in Virginia. We work several markets in the country but we do a lot of work down in south carolina actually
0: interesting yeah and we'll talk about the kind of work that you do um you have a very special kind of little niche you focus on and i don't think that's probably the only thing that you do but um a friend a mutual friend of ours jp moses introduced us to each other and jp interviewed you for one of his shows and uh he said joe you've got to talk to this guy cory he's Really great guy. He's got a lot of really cool stuff that he's doing, and um, so thank you, JP, if you're listening. Shout out to JP Moses, who doesn't like JP Moses. Yeah, that's right.
2: Well, and don't forget cool to don't don't forget to say that I totally blew it off and had to come back. Don't I have to put, We have to put that on here that I uh, totally no. was a loser, and <laughs> so here I am finally.
0: No grace to you, man.
2: Yeah, thanks. but uh,
0: who you know? JP Moses is a great guy, and who doesn't know JP? In fact, I think Alex J.P. might have been one of the ones that introduced you and me together, or was it Chico or somebody like that? I don't remember. Hey, I think it was Brian Haskins. Yes, I think it was. Brian Haskins, who also has a podcast. You should check him out. Brian's a good guy. I have, I have lunch with him about every few months, every two or three months. He lives here in St. Louis. Really good guy. Go, go, go to iTunes and do a search for Brian Haskins, and you'll see his podcast out there. It's really good stuff. Um, okay. So Corey talk about like how, how long have you been in the business? What were you doing before real estate? Yeah.
2: Was? Yeah. I was, um, I came out of the Naval Academy into the Marine Corps. Wow. And so I was in the Marine Corps and, uh, I, I kind of had the bug, right. I kind of, I kind of knew early on, I wanted to do something kind of on the side. And I was figuring out how to, you know, how do I invest? And I was looking at stocks and just, you know, I'm about to make money now. You kind of enter the, the career stage of life, right. And you figure out, well, how do, what am I going to make, what am I going to do with my disposable income? And uh, I happened to be in the bookstore one day. My wife was—I don't know—taking too long doing something, right? And I was yeah, in the no aisle, finger. yeah. And I and I came across one of the rich dad books. You know, like a lot of stories from years ago, and I thought, "Wow, this is kind of an interesting read." You know, sixth grade level, lots of repetition, <laughs> made some sense. You know, I mean, that's kind of how those books are, right? Just say the same thing over and over. Yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of I was I, I liked it and saw so like, wow, this thing, you know, this business thing, this real estate thing. So read I think I think he only had two or three out at the time, so read those and then just kind of hey let's try this real estate thing and so at the time I was I had very little time for it then because I just you know just got to Camp Lejeune and was doing the Marine thing you know you can imagine I'm pretty busy at that point but oh, yeah. but what we just kind of you know what year was weekends this, and evenings but this was uh, man this would have been this would have been ninety nine okay ninety nine so years ago and then within that year or two just got you know got some subject two things done or did some things the hard way. And then I just kept, you know, like a lot of people are these days with jobs, I just kind of kept nice and weekends trying to learn more and do more and not get, uh, you know, crushed with education, but still keep trying to do things. And we just kept doing that. And so uh, probably in 05, I guess late 04, my daughter was born. And by then we were doing enough real estate. I didn't really have to make a financial decision to stay in the Marine Corps or not. We'd moved here to Virginia, here to Quantico. And uh, we said, you know what? I mean, is this going to be a career or not? I've been in about eight years at that point. And, uh, we thought, you know, we like Virginia and we don't really have to stay financially. We don't need the Marine Corps. I was paying more in taxes by then than I was even getting paid in the Marine Corps. That was always a nice, uh, nice thing to have. And so, um, you know, we stayed. So I hopped out and just kept doing real estate full time, you know, in, uh, in late 04 and just kept doing more of what I already been doing the previous years uh, before then. And, uh, the last, you know, I guess it's been a lot of years now nine years, I guess now full time. So it's been, uh lots of greats, lots of lessons learned too, right? But uh yeah. but it, we've run the gamut and it's been it's been great. I've done probably everything there is to do in real estate by now and so I've seen a lot and uh it's been great. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how it all played well, out for me.
0: Thank you for your service, Corey.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. What
0: um you were involved what was your involvement during the Second Gulf War? You
2: know, my involvement was begging the colonel to let me leave Quantico to go wow. uh I had done my time in Lejeune was over. So my four years there, you know, during the whole 9-11 thing, we had done a float, and so we were out in the ocean and doing all those things that Marines do out uh, waiting to be told what to do, yeah. and we had just come back. So our rotation had ended, and we ended up at Quantico, which is more of a you know hangout command, and so you had to kind of you know pull some strings, and they were like, no, you're not going. And so uh, then I was, it was about a year, I guess, before I got out. So unfortunately, didn't get that, but we had lots of good things to do. We were out running around the Mediterranean in our little ships over there for a while, uh, but that's the, that was the most of it for me.
0: You know, I was talking to a guy that uh, just amazing, a friend of mine, who is in the military in the Navy, works on submarines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what those guys do, it'll blow you away. And he still couldn't he couldn't tell me like anything, mm-hmm. but I kept on prodding him with questions, and I could tell what the his answers were because. He wouldn't answer the question. He would just stare at me. Right? <laughs> but uh, its uh, I really respect guys who work in the military and uh, this is a guy who is getting ready to retire, do real estate himself full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but those guys, you, you just think that these boats are just floating around or these submarines are just kind of mm-hmm. floating around, not doing much. Man, that's not the case.
2: That's not the case at all, no. And especially the last few years has been grueling, grueling, grueling for those guys on the rotations and yeah. really be in combat all the time. But the level of alert is just 10 times what it was 10 years ago because there's just so much going on in the world now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a real real grind for those guys.
0: If you could – if we – I won't get into it because I'm, I might – I might say something I shouldn't say, but I, I was literally blown away. I was speechless hearing some of the stuff that these guys do. Um, and some of the stuff he couldn't tell me, he he didn't divulge too much, but, um, man, God bless our military. Anyway, Corey, um, so you started, what, what kind of deals were you doing in Oh four and Oh five?
2: You know, I was, um, I was doing fix and flip mainly. Um, now there was all kinds of those. By by the time oh five rolled around, I you know I was doing kind of whatever the deal was that came along. I was in a good spot by then that I had learned enough and done enough that as a lead came in, I can kind of fit it into whatever category it might be, and I could do a short sale if it was necessary, or I could just you know cash you know private lender buy it if that was the deal, or I could you know uh, subordinate the seller and and they you know they participate and we do it together kind of stuff. And just really whatever the deal needed to get done, I was. Pretty good at at that point of uh you know making it work kind of no matter what um and how were you doing so that during
0: your, you're still working full time job um, yeah, you
2: know there was a lot of hours on the weekend okay <laughs> all was, right. yeah, it really was uh my my wife was loving doing you no know, helping out, so it was kind of our thing. we didn't have kids then I mean, again, my daughter was just born, you know right then at that point, so the years prior was just, hey our kind of our hobby on the weekends were what kind of what leads came in, what did we have time to go do. And uh it was a lot of fun for us on those weekends and some evenings that we got to uh to do it. And she would take some calls during the day, being at home while I'm, you know, uh doing my thing most of the days or even being gone. And so we just kinda made it work. It was it was it was a great uh tag team as a couple to do that. Interesting. But yeah. then
0: what were you doing when the market started turning in two thousand? <laughs> I was doing I was, doing I was doing the
2: wrong thing. I was doing oh. the wrong thing. Yeah, I was uh I was doing a lot of uh lease option stuff at the time. And it would have been fine, I think, if I, I – actually, I wrote a book about this, about what not to do. But I said yeah. uh, I, had some, I had some in great positions. I, I was protected really well. It, did, it didn't bother me. But some I had, I had uh, obligated myself to some contracts on some of these lease options, meaning me taking like, subject to type things that I really shouldn't have made promises on. Uh, and so I, a lot of my lessons I tell people now is Sounds you just never familiar, know what's going to happen.
1: Sounds doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't want to talk yeah. about it.
2: I, I seriously no, it's I, I hear you. It's it was a oh I, I, I only got over it because I kept you know getting I've so done much it, counseling over it.
1: I've done that too. Um where you bought something just because you thought you could buy it and then you just put yourself in a pickle and yeah. But you do your best to to, to get it done.
2: That's now, right.
0: You you got some counseling and, and I probably should still get some counseling.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I did. I got a lot of uh gray haired guys around me after that whole a couple of years like you know i need some guys that are around that can tell me when i'm just i never failed at that point i mean i i'd been nothing but whatever i wanted to do was getting done and and so for a, you know a young 30 something to have some some failure was probably the best thing that ever happened yeah. but i went and got four or five you know been in business 25 years guys that you know we meet once a month now for 5 hours and talk about you know what's going on and just like your, like your own board right i feel like guys that are really getting business done full time should have their own board for their company i mean even if it's informal uh, just to make sure you're not being an idiot uh, a lot of times, right? So I, yeah. I got that done and I realized, yeah, even when your market's going up 30% a year, uh, 0% appreciation might not be the worst case. It might actually go down 30% in value wow. that happened around here in Northern Virginia, as, as Alex knows <laughs> over there too. So just all those all those things I thought I was planning for worst case, I really wasn't. And I was kicking myself because it, Marines especially are all – it's great to look at best case, but make sure you know worst case – and I had just thrown all that aside in my own business. I, I really didn't uh, evaluate what worst case could be, and like I made promises yeah. I couldn't keep.
0: Now uh, you were so buying homes, you were buying homes subject to, and then lease option subject them to. Out.
2: Yep, lease optioning. Right, some of those. Those were probably the worst ones where I made some promises to the subject to people that I couldn't keep on the lease option side. When all the subprime went away, I was because uh, I was I was I was either break even or slightly cash yeah. out of my pocket on some of those because the equity side was going to be big. And then equity side evaporated overnight. Man, I'm right?
0: still so glad to hear did, somebody else having these problems for oh, once. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, this,
1: yeah. Was, this <laughs> was big back then. Did you learn how huge. to do this from a certain individual with the initials of KK? <laughs>
2: Chris Kirkland. Uh, <laughs> oh, he said it out loud. We had <laughs> oh, uh, him among him among several him among several. Yes, uh, nothing uh, nothing okay. on Chris again. I feel I feel like it's up to all of us to decide on our own. That's right, right. What, what Absol- model is best for an upcoming market? Uh, but yes, that model was not when when somebody's anticipating a decline. Mm-hmm. I would have done that differently had I had to do it all over again. Um, but yeah, twenty or thirty of those things were in the in the hopper. Wow, anthem. that you was, that was uh, it was Gangle. painful. Yeah, it was painful. It was painful. But you know what? Again, I, the, the 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 what it what it brought us to in the council and just caution and just hey, maybe we should run a business like a real business kind of thing. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. I would never trade uh, all that uh, nobody wants to take a step back, but it really just was like a slingshot for us in those lessons learned. Um, I had to have some, I had to eat some crow with some private lenders and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't like it. I shouldn't have promised it, but I'm going to make it right. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that, that actually, it firmed up some relationships. It might not have been otherwise if I'd just been, Hey, sorry, you know, it's a deal. That's what happens in real estate. Like some of my peers had said to people, which I didn't appreciate them doing, you know, to their guys. But, uh, so you know, so it's it's it came it came back around. So again, I I, uh, I used to look at it as like, wow, those were dark years. But uh, you know, I embraced it and we learned from it. And I wrote a wrote a chapter of a couple of books on some of that experience, and I helped people a lot to just, if nothing else, to affirm they weren't necessarily dumb themselves. It's just things happen, and you look, it's just looking at the upside too much, right, guys? You look at the upside all day. Yeah. If you don't plan for the downside, that's a plan you have to have in any deal. Is what what's happens if it goes wrong even if it's just a checkbox you got to at least think about it
0: well i remember too that those during those days looking at the historical charts of real estate appreciation across the us you know and mm-hmm. you hear the stories in phoenix and california and florida the properties going up 10 right. 15 20% a year and in the midwest you know we're more conservative and it's a more safe area so We're just depreciating on average. I'll be conservative and I'll just base my calculations on 6% appreciation. (laughs) Right. Real estate never goes down. And man, I Mm -hmm. preached that from the hilltops and just Mm -hmm. nobody saw this coming. Maybe some people did. But um, here's the thing, I think, and I made the same mistakes. um, We just got over leveraged, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about that real quick, Joe. I, I started – very soon after this happened, I got into Dave Ramsey stuff, right? I read his book, yeah. and I was like, hey, this is so super simple. And then at my church, I started doing like the the financial piece facilitation just because I wanted to give back and just kind of tell my story and just kind of help people through it. And you wouldn't believe uh, how awesome that was, not, for, not only for me and my own business, but just for people in general that to start pretending that debt that is something you should be very careful about. Well, yeah. And you have, to, you have to use the leverage word very carefully because real estate guys love to use the leverage word – But it's only if you use it very, very carefully and almost pretend it's like poison that you want to get out of your system as fast as possible or at least maintain it. Because when you think there's plenty of it and it's always fine, it's just like the snake that is waiting to bite you. Uh, And I I have a whole new point of view about when we use that and why and how and when do we get out of it just because I never want to go back to that place again.
0: It's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. And. your new construction projects, I would think, you are using debt,
2: correct? We are using it, we are using it, and we've at, we've calculated how many houses get us out, and the bulk of our first profits pay them out, and so we're clear really early. We're clear really early because wow. we're going to be like, oh, but we can take profit early, and they can go out to the this house, and we can just extend, and so <laughs> we could do a lot of things to have them use their money longer, but we specifically chose not to because a well, big project I just,
1: like that. Yeah, you definitely want to. You know, I, I mean, on a four house project or something like that, usually what we'll do is uh, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get paid off, pay them off on the uh, second house and let the third and the fourth. There bring you no go. To us,
2: yeah. And I'm not going to say anybody has to be clear right away. Just just understanding that if something goes twice as wrong as you think it could, can you look that guy in the eye and be be square with him and not act like you said something or, or misled something or acted like that wasn't part of the deal? I just don't want to have those conversations again. I want to make sure that everybody knew. And if things were made right, and if I got trusted, I came through because I'm managing equity and realizing equity can disappear. As soon as Goldman Sachs puts out a press release, equity can go away, right? That's oh. that's the world we live in now that I didn't realize was such a thing, as you guys probably realize too. Goldman Sachs can actually just turn things off, and then all of a sudden it's over. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just want to know that's the situation now. That's that's how we run our business and manage our debt to try to be in that uh, position.
0: I heard a speaker the other day talk about uh, borrowing. He was talking about in the context of borrowing private money. Mm -hmm. And he said um, when somebody is asking him if they can borrow money, he says, well, there's two things I want to know. Number one, how are you going to pay me back? And number Mm -hmm. two, how are you going to pay me back when you can't pay me back? (laughs)
2: That's right. That's right.
0: Isn't that the truth? That's
1: very realistic.
0: That is Mm -hmm. what you need to think about. You need Mm -hmm. to think worst case. How am I going to pay this guy back? And how am I going to pay him back if I can't pay him back? You don't have yeah. any other options.
2: Right? There's, that's it. And well, I think, Joe, I think you guys, we should say on, on this call, maybe people are talking about their first deal and they don't like the fact that a, a lender might want them to have 10% or 20% in, but they, they want you to have it because they just want to be super, super sure that you can pay them in that context. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you shouldn't get upset with them for wanting them to have all the money in the deal and it's your first one or second deal. That's a big deal for that lender. They worked you know hard, long, hard years for that money. And they don't want you to just think you can do anything and mess it up. And they're they're the ones that are out. That's why they're that's why they're scrutinizing you as a young you know young new investor to make sure the deal is right and want some of your skin because it's it's a big deal to have a deal go bad and have have their money go away. It's a very a lot of, all these people have the retirement money. These private lenders it's, it's their retirement. They work thirty years for that money yeah. and they're not going to have you know somebody just make a bad mistake and they just trust you and have it go away in a blink. That would be terrible.
0: You can't not you cannot walk away from that. And the same with subject twos. Um mm-hmm. you you made a commitment to pay that seller's mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um you got to stick with it. When if you borrow private money on a deal, you've got to pay them back. And you got to think about I think it's important and you probably talk a lot about this Corey is having mm-hmm. multiple exit strategies on any deal mm-hmm. that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yep. You need to make sure that well, if you can't sell it, what are you going to do? Are you going to rent it? Are you going to sell it to an investor? Sell it to a retail buyer? What are your options? How can you get back that investment that you borrowed? And then, and then also realizing, I think this is just as important, as any profit that you do make, every dollar of that goes first to pay back your private investors.
2: Yeah, right. Well, Alex had a great example a minute ago, right? The deal where he, he could wholesale if he wanted to. He's cheap enough that he could have another exit if he wanted to. Otherwise, he's got you know a couple of uh, a couple of choices. He's not trying to scrape a deal out where he's only got one exit. I think a lot of new people fall into the, I've got to have my first deal so badly that they really pin me you up. Know, Uh, put themselves in a corner where they only have one exit and they want to know why they can't get the money or why they're having trouble. And it's just because they wanted it too badly. They just really need to be patient enough to get the right first deal or the right second deal, not just a deal. Or it's not going to be nearly as fun uh, as they want it to be. And you guys could probably admit it was, when deals are going great, real estate is the funnest thing on the planet. When they're not going right, it's probably the worst thing on the planet. I don't know what else is is worse than having those conversations you and I both probably had to have with some people about how we're going to make up for it. (laughs) And uh, it's great to be able to do that. It's great that real estate is a thing where you can make up for it very quickly. Uh, but still it it can go bad. And so I would just caution people to be, uh, you know, be patient, get the right one and make it, keep it fun. It's not fun when you do it wrong.
0: Very well said. I like that a lot. The, um, Boy, we could we could go on and on about that because yeah, so we could important.
2: pull that string for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: because you know that whole rich dad poor dad book. It's a great book, but he talks on there. Um, I think he talks a little too loosely or, or uh, glibly. Maybe that's not the right word about debt. You know, yeah. um, there is a place for debt. You could probably argue that. Yeah, the numbers make sense on paper, but you got to realize it is you're you're enslaving yourself mm-hmm. to the lender. Mm-hmm. Until that debt is paid back, right. so you've got to make sure you have contingencies. You got to you got to make sure the deal's good. And when we were borrowing money on these subject two deals, just the numbers weren't. We we threw, took the fundamentals, threw them out the window. We were <laughs> we were basing our uh, profits on appreciation, on future appreciation, mm-hmm. and we were thinking that we could get by with just a hundred to two hundred dollars a month in quote unquote cash flow. Right. Um but I was at the same point man. I had all this equity and all of a sudden it was gone. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I realized you can't eat equities. You know, as the saying oh. goes. Oh. So what do you do? You need cash. You need cash flow. That's why um it's important to understand and I think we're talking about fundamentals. That's why I think wholesaling is so important.
2: Yeah, I agree. And not not to interrupt you so I but I'd go back to his book, not to not to not to have a resurgence of his book or anything, but his second book I think was The Cash Flow Quadrant where I realized he said the very thing you just said, right? The balance sheet is all nice and pretty, but that doesn't mean anything. The cash flow statement, the income, you know, income and expense yep. is what people need to be focused on, and they don't—they don't know that basic principle of running. And even if it's one house, you still have cash in or cash out and, and equity, and people just don't understand the fundamentals. And it's uh, they, need to, they need to hit that more. I think more training should be on that, and Good. people would probably be a little better off. Well,
0: Corey, what are you doing these days? Are you? Um... Talk a little bit about your your business. What's your model that you're doing now?
2: Yeah, sure. We um we are focused probably ninety five percent. I mean, I, I, there's a few of the things that we that we you know tinker with just cause we have over the years, but most of our business leads now come from the tax sale uh, arena. And hmm. what that what I mean by that is <clears throat> we have some places in the country that we like for their various rules. Just to if you give me just I guess two minutes to kind of lay out the context. So take here. your time. Yeah. Yeah. The um. The country in the tax sale world, property property taxes. By the way, in case it wasn't clear to some people, property taxes—we all owe them. I don't like it, right? But we have to. We have to. Right. We have to pay them. We're, pro- we're property owners until we don't pay taxes, right? Then they take it from us. <laughs> and so, this uh, about half the country um, does what you've heard before called a tax lien, uh, and what that means is you know you don't pay taxes a couple years. The county says, hey, you know, uh, Joe, you need to really pay these taxes, and so uh, if you can't pay them, we're going to have this auction. And Alex gets to show up, and Alex gets to pay us the taxes because we get the money. But then you're going to owe the money, and you're going to owe Alex eighteen percent, or fifteen percent, or twenty five percent, or some some number. And so you're going to have a couple years to pay him. But uh, you know, just this is your fair warning that you know that it, it, you got a problem. And so about half the country does that, where you have a, a short amount of time before the auction, but then you have a couple years to get that lien paid off before you would lose anything. Before Alex actually gets your property, this thing recurs. The other half of the country says, hey, Joe, you've been late for like three years, like maybe four years now. It's been a long time. Uh, in a couple months, we're going to have an auction, and, and Alex is going to show up and bid on it and own your house. And so there's no there's no redemption. There's no nothing. You've already had three or four years to pay. we did already let you go this long. Uh, the auction is the sale of your house. Hmm. So, you know, so it's about the same amount of time being late around the whole United States, but some states just kind of deal with it differently into when they want to recover their money. Um, and that the lean states want their money sooner, but so they have that auction sooner, and they give you this redemption thing. So, what what that creates, though, depending on the kind of state you're dealing with, it creates a lot of opportunity that not a lot of investors uh, focus on. Um, things things like, hey, these people on this list that the county publishes mm-hmm. for me, these people are all having trouble paying their property taxes. They might be distressed.
0: There might um, be some motivation there.
2: There might be some motivation. Uh, or there might be complete apathy because they're an heir and grandma died and it's five states away and they didn't really care. And so, uh, you know, any money to them would be more than they thought they were going to get. They don't want the hassle. They're both busy, you know, employees and they don't want to mess with grandma's house that needs a bunch of work. And so it, it doesn't even have to be the person in the house not paying. A lot of it, actually, most of it is, is uh, there's really no emotional tie, which is way better than trying to deal with a homeowner who's trying six different ways to keep a house before they sell it to you cheap, you know? Right. And so, so yeah, so there's, there's contacting people before these auctions, there's um, contacting people uh, after they've been leaned and they still haven't solved their problem in a year or two and saying, hey, you know, you've been leaned a while, you haven't solved it, you know, this is about to go to the auction part where you actually lose it. Can we please talk about it? So there's another opportunity to talk to distressed people, even more distressed. There's actually buying at the auctions themselves, which I'm not a huge fan of, but in some areas of the country, you can show up there and there's so many for sale, there's not enough money to buy them. And so there's some great deals Uh, to get to be had and then ultimately there's some things that you can buy some liens that these counties already have on their shelf it's called over the counter you just kind of say hey i want that lien and it's a you know vacant rehab that nobody wanted at the auction uh to have a lien on and you can buy that thing and you have a really good chance in a year to own it because nobody's going to redeem it nobody wanted that house it's just kind of left over you just pluck it right off the shelf you know wait a few months and it's yours uh kind of a deal we do a lot of that too and so, uh, so we've just found so many different lead opportunities around the distressed nature of property taxes. We really haven't had to do anything else in the last three or four years um, to get enough deals that we wanted. Uh, we don't. We didn't have to do a lot of marketing.
0: It seems like these lists are—they're really not. But you could say maybe they're harder to get. So there's not as much competition. Is that right?
2: The, you know, ironically, I, yeah, that's interesting. You say that they're—they're they're easy to get in this. It's, 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 let me say it like this. They're easy because the county publishes them. However, what has been hard until the last couple of months has been what to do with the list. They'll give you like a legal description and the amount of taxes owed, maybe a street, probably not, and an owner name. And you're like, "Well, what am I supposed to do with this?" And they're like, "Oh, all you have to do, typical county government thinking, right? Yes. All you got to do, Joe, is go spend 5 hours on our website and line up all these property, you know, parcel numbers with address. And then you can do some research, and then you can find and decide what you want to buy. So it's only five or six hours or 10 or two days, however <laughs> long the big the list is, right? Yeah. So they don't make it easy for you to actually take what they give you and make an investment decision. So our company had to come out a few months ago. We finally made software that does this where you click a button, and then I can make the county cruddy list into a amazing, immaculate, enhanced premium list. It has everything I could possibly want on it to let me just use Excel, and I take you know 500 properties and bring the top 50 to the top of the page – and do all the online research I want to, and know which ones I want to buy in just an hour. And uh, so we've really helped our industry move forward in using some some software these days to get these lists. Plug it in like like painting for gold. You just throw a bunch of dirt in. The machine pops out the gold on the other end, and you just okay. There's the gold. Great, and you buy it, or you don't buy it, or you wholesale it, or you give give it away, or whatever you want to do. But so getting through these lists now is much easier through our system. But it's made it even easier. So it's not it's not. Um, I think which, I think what you're playing to is that. Most people use the lean word for 10 years. I heard the lean word and thought, well, I don't want to make interest. I'm not an interest player right now. I'm buying, yeah. old and holding. I'm I'm earning rent. I'm flipping. I'm I don't want to just make 18% of my money. I'm doing a lot better than that. I just thought it was all liens to to own paper. I didn't realize this whole tax deed thing. I didn't realize a lot of liens could become that I own them if I bought the right liens. I didn't know I could own through tax sales. So when I realized that, I was kicking myself for not having done it years earlier. I just didn't understand I didn't take the time to go find out what a tax lien was that I could own or a tax deed or the fact that I could contact people, I just didn't know. And so when I did, I'm, I always tell people now, like I'm on the hilltops now saying, hey, you should include the tax sale thing as more distressed sale marketing, looking at these counties, getting lists put in this tool and just popping out some properties there. It's, it's It should definitely be at somebody's source, an additional source, if nothing else, of lead flow. Yeah. After that, it's just regular real estate. You hold it, keep it, sell it, wholesale, whatever you want to do is fine, but but it's absolute fantastic lead flow.
0: So were you... um I didn't know you had a software that does this, so I'm, I'm going to ask you more questions about that. Yeah. What um, – these deals that you're doing with properties that are late on their taxes, mm-hmm. um, what percent of them are you – what percent of the deals that you do <clears throat> are actually done at the auction as compared to contacting yeah, I don't, the seller do Yeah,
2: I don't do anything at the auction. Yeah, we, we, don't, we just don't choose to go to the auctions. Okay. Even with the tool – before, going to an auction was annoying because you have to research a bunch of properties. You show up there – and you hope they're still on the auction block for one, right? Otherwise, half of them are gone. Even in the bank foreclosure business, that was kind of the deal. When you show up there, you're like, oh, it's not, I, you know, it's not even here anymore. And I don't like the guy next to me that wants it for his grandmother, and though he has a personal interest in it. Versus me, just I'm, I'm unemotional about it. I just want a cheap property, right? But he's all he's got to have it. So I just I just don't like some of the auction dynamics to do all that. And I don't really need to. And so most of ours come from somebody's contacting me back from my mailing to them that they solve a problem prior to their tax foreclosure, or I've bought you know 20 liens from a county that are properties that probably won't get redeemed. And by the way, when I say won't get redeemed, I check things like, hey, the owner's dead. So mm-hmm. unless the heir really wants this thing that's got three foot high grass and windows broken out, uh, unless they really want that, they're probably not going to redeem this thing. That's why they haven't paid the taxes anyway, and I'm going to own this thing in seven months. And so I buy those, and I buy 20 of them and get nine of them at one time, or something like that. There's just, just such a high probability of me getting it I can just buy a batch, and right. by the time I get the ones I've done already done, I'm like, oh wow, I can't but it's November already. Here, I, I own nine more, and I just gotta, you know, go make money on those as opposed to uh, having to do something else.
0: Now, I'm assuming that you know. Well, first thing I want to ask you the um, the software that you have. Do you actually mm-hmm. have? Is this just a software that you you have to still get the list yourself of these late properties, or do you actually have a way to give people? The the properties that are
2: late. Yeah, here's what we did. We the first thing we did in our business a couple years ago. Again, we we did all this for our own business, and people kept saying, "Corey, can we have it?" So we kind of said, "Okay, fine. Here's this membership site, right?" So we we said, "Hey, we're going out and getting uh, almost every auction there is on a calendar," and so by by now we have just about every auction that's ever been out. And And the good thing about tax sales is they're pretty routine. The county kind of does the same thing every year, or once a month, or whatever. So it's kind of like clockwork. There's no real Oh hey, be watch out for it because it might come this year it's it's about the same time about every time so once you get the calendar built it's it's you know it's pretty easy but we got this calendar that shows when they all are so I already know which ones happened where homeowners might be in trouble. I know what's gonna happen, so I know when they're about to be in trouble. I know all those things because we have a calendar that already okay. says it and we have a staff that goes out and gets a lot of those lists already so we already I already have the list on a site or I have a button to click that immediately takes us to that county that says hey um here's where you get the list. We couldn't quite get it, but here's the county website where it's published. You can go get it right now. So we make it very, very easy to go get these lists without having to kind of figure out where to go nice. um, right there right there inside our, our little area. And by the way, we call counties too. We call them every day. We call counties uh, a, few weeks, a few weeks old and say, hey, did you guys have anything left over? What do you have for sale? And we try to get those lists too. And we publish those so that somebody can look at those and say, oh, I don't have to call myself. And get the question wrong, they can rely on us to get the question right and sort through those lists as well. So we are—we found ourselves in the list business because the more lists we get, the more we can jam through the tool.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah,
2: they go well. It goes pretty well together.
0: So, what are yeah. some of your favorite markets? If you don't mind sharing, you don't have to be specific. You don't. Oh, I, I do mind
2: sharing. What are you talking about? I'm just no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I like being—I like being on the East Coast because I'm in Virginia, right? I don't want to—you know—I'm not going to fly to Colorado. Uh, Unless you know, we we are actually ironically, I shouldn't have said that because we are going to fly out there. But, but, but I like East Coast. I like the South. I, I I'm I've moved into a buy and hold. Um, uh, my partner and I, for now, that's kind of our strategy. So I, I can get, I can get a really good rent return on my capital in places in the South. So I, I we're, we're in South Carolina. We're moving into Alabama. Actually, there's some great deals in there. They got some yeah. other some other financial issues together. Finally. So down around that area. So I like I like being in the southeast. I really do. I, I like um, I liked it less of my capital, especially compared to here in Virginia. I-, I can make more per house. That's true, but I make a lot less ratio. The money I have to spend to get something I would rent is just not uh, is not there. And when I can get them so cheap down there anyway, I'm really in for almost just my rehab cost. So I can be you know I can be into a house for thirty grand or less sometimes down in South Carolina and be getting you know seven fifty in rent. Uh, and that, that, you know, those are kind of fun. I can do a lot of those and not have to worry about, um, paying double or triple some places to get that same return. And so that, so I like, I like it, I like it for those reasons. So I, I, I'm a Southeast guy. Okay. Uh, we've got some partners in Colorado and some other places, but those are kind of niche, niche projects. They aren't necessarily the bread and butter like we do now.
0: I know, um, I've looked a little bit, and this is probably an objection you hear commonly. Um, I've looked a little bit at tax sales in my areas, <clears throat> And it seems like most—I don't know what percent, but I'm gonna guess—75, 80 percent of the houses that are on there for late taxes are really, you know, crappy properties. They're just not that good. And, um, you know, so the—I guess my question is, why, why do you do you like those junky properties, and what do you do with them? Or am I—is my perception wrong?
2: Well, I don't think it's wrong. I think that some people have said. Let me check a little bit and then they see some junk and they're like, Oh, okay, well it's junk, I'm not gonna do it. But I I equate it to it takes a it takes a lot of leads to come in from eight hundred fair offer to make the best ones too. They're not they're not all great. Some of them are like, I want retail and I owe more than I you know, I owe more than I want anyway, and I it just it's a big problem, right? So so I say the quicker you can get through lists of those, the quicker you find the ones that are great. And that's kinda why we, I keep coming back to this this tool we finally use to say, hey, what, what is on this list of eight hundred properties? How many here are worth buying because the location or property type is what we want, and it's as simple as sorting on Excel to uh, to kind of bring those to the top. So I, I agree; it's it would be more painful if you're just kind of looking through a handful. It's in your backyard and convenient for you. Um, you may not. You don't know what you're going to find that particular list. But yeah. the other thing is, lists come out all the time, and depending on depending on the county you're in, they're always getting replenished all the time because they're always late. There's always new people. There's always whatever, and so I think your perception's only. The what it is because you haven't really gotten knee deep in it to see oh wow I I was only on the first step of the pool I wasn't actually in swimming around now that I'm out here I see all these other things that make it that make it great so we 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 only buy the properties that are going to either rent well or sell well we don't need to buy junk or convert junk or try to you know have this amazing clever way of turning junk into not junk it's not any of that at all Um, there's plenty of I was just telling Alex before the call here that we happen to come across we weren't really looking for land. But we happen to see a bunch of parcel numbers on the list all in a row, and I'm like, "Well, this is kind of weird. This is like like yeah. 60 of them, or 50, 54 of them, can, like like uh, sequentials. What was the word I was looking for? Sequential. I'm that like, what is this? We pull some pull some strings right with like, oh, well, this is a development. This was a development from like 15 years ago. Like, what is this about? Oh, well, old man Joe had died and he left it to his second wife, and it's just been sitting there. Oh, really? Okay. Well, oh, it looks like the county wants um. The county wants uh it to totally re, you know redrawn we're like well, I don't know if I want to go through all that, but let's go talk to the county, oh yeah, you know what we're going we, we really want some growth right now you know these businesses they they moved in like seven hundred and fifty million worth of business in this area recently, and so we're like we really want to develop that uh will you guys do it? I'm like, well, it depends on if you're going to grandfather the plan, and they're like, yeah, well, half of it already has water and sewer, the hmm. other half will be sected. we'll go ahead we'll go ahead and grandfather the lot sizes. you don't have to go through any of that process and wow. by the way we'll put we'll put the roads in for you. Uh-huh. Um, up, to, up, up to each house you build, we'll put the blacktop in. I'm like, really? Is there anything else you want to do?
1: Wow.
2: Well, we won't give you any tax credits, but we'll do all that. Okay, fine. So they basically, we, because we're looking at a list, everybody else has been saying, oh, this is junk, it's been on the list for four years. This is just junk land. Well, not really. I mean, that wasn't, we didn't think we were especially clever. We just said, hey, this looks like it's a lot of lots together. What what might this be? And so again, lead flow, you just pursue some leads and some work and some don't, right? And here we were with 54 uh, lots um, in a circle. And, um, and, half, you know, again, half with water and sewer, half that will take a reasonably sized, you know, a, a, what I call it, uh, the septics, um, not the engineered, the regular gravity fed, you know, normal septic. So yeah. nothing wrong with the land, nothing wrong with the thing. We had to clear it. A lot of brush and trees are growing up by the end to clear the thing out. And uh, we got the first four up. And we got a lot of uh, – by about the, by, by the end of the year, we did that. Got a lot of traffic this week. Got a couple contracts coming, I think, this by, – by, by Friday. So our, we finally lit the match, you know, the start of development. And so that was all came out of a tax sale list just because we were looking and said, hey, if we had the tool, it actually would have been a little quicker to see all those were together. We had to do some manual research on that. But that's just, I think it's just an example where even what you think might immediately be not good, you just never know what you're going to find. And that'll be, you know, seven figures to us. And that makes tax sales worth it, even if it's just that one deal.
0: Do you find much competition on these deals when you send the letters?
2: I will tell you, when I a lot of things I do in Florida, like we just picked up a property in West Palm. And I keep mailing there, just be, even though it's comp- competitive. I keep mailing just because when you get a deal, it's fantastic. And so we mailed there, mailed there, and it is competitive down in South Florida. There's a lot of guys there that want to pick up those properties, and so our letter is one of so many. We're a lot—I'll I'll say it like this—we're a lot less competitive than the actual foreclosure list. People are still going hard after the bank foreclosure things, not realizing there's such a thing as a tax foreclosure. Yeah. So it's less competition, but there is still some. And some very, very popular markets like that, there are some. But you know what? It's still worth the mail because yeah. I think I was in. I think I was in six or seven hundred in mail to pick up this one in West Palm, and we're going to be in we're going to be in two sixty five on a four twenty resale. Um, wow. So that's that's not bad on six hundred bucks worth of postcards, right? So
0: competition is such a silly thing to be worried about, isn't
2: it? It, it really is. I, I tell people it's like you're about to say probably. I say you know I I I don't think it's just marine culture. I don't. I think everybody that, that's competed, you know, especially as men, right? We're like. I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to beat you or do it great anyway, and I'm going to get my piece. And and, and plus, if you add if you add, you add know bountiful uh, philosophy to that anyway to say there's plenty, there's enough, you're going to get one, then there's really no reason, reason to even be talking about competition unless you're afraid of it. And we're not. We just do what we do, and deals come. And so I don't need to worry about whether I was one of 20 or one of two. Deals come, and we're real happy, and those guys that got deals that also mail are probably really happy too. And so we just don't even use that word really in our in our company because it doesn't matter.
0: That's really good. Yeah. Okay, so I got some more questions for you. Okay. Um what are you sending to these guys? These you got a property with late taxes, what do you send them?
2: Yeah, we 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 had been sending postcards because we really didn't start, you know, mastering marketing, right? Like we really should be. We're just sending a message out that we want to help and you know, how can we be helpful? You're you're late. Uh, in case you didn't know the problem, you're late. How can we be helpful? Can you please give us a call? No obligation. Just real open door. Um, some people call us wanting us to pay their tax for them, right, Lo- loan them money. Nice. Like, no, we really don't. <laughs> we really don't do that. Although, you, if you were a lender, you can make a ton of money doing that, right? To put your own lien on that on I'm houses interested. and make quite a bit if you wanted to. But we don't do that, so we say, no, nah, we're not sure that. But you know, have you called Aunt Martha? Have you called the neighbor? Like, you know, what if we just help them? Have you done everything you can do? And a lot of times they have. And we're like, well, we're we're in the buying business, and when you come to the conclusion that you just can't fix it, we can do something quickly, but you just need we need X amount of time. So. Um, this is kind of all the advice we can really give you, but they feel really good that we actually helped them think of other things, and by the time we rattle off some they have tried, they really believe that we're legitimately wanting to help them solve their problem, and uh, and when they can't, they sell, and because we're – you know uh, I don't want to say a counselor role, but because we really tried to help them out, we you know we have a good relationship with them. Uh, I'll tell you this. We are moving into different mail though now called Lumpy Mail. You've heard this uh-huh. before, right? Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. Lump, there's 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 lump, LumpyMail.com. I know Lindell for a long time was talking about it, but LumpyMail.com. We're on there. And we're uh, trying different things on there to get – to make sure – I want to make sure that our open rate is as close to 100% as possible, right? So I'm willing to pay more money now for fewer mailings to know it's getting opened, and then I can make a better determination of whether whether they're actually reading the message and just don't want it or whether or not they were just throwing a postcard away. So we're moving into lumpy mail now, and we'll get some good feedback on that this month. What to see are, what's uh, going on there.
0: What are some examples of what you're sending in the lumpy mail? Yeah,
2: money? I, I like I like the shredded money one. Is that they have a shredded money on that website example? Um, they have a bank bag that you actually yeah. like you put your uh, logo and number on there and the bank bag on it. Um, I've sent out the trash can one they have before. Uh, not you know you, you can you know your messages can always play off whatever device you happen to be sending, but it's literally like a six inch tall tin trash can thing yeah. that you can send through the mail in a box which is kind of nice. So those are the three we're looking at in particular. But um, we're going to test you know, four or five different ones and then hone it down to a couple that we like and then just keep you know, blowing it out until we can uh, uh, continue getting the deal flow we want.
0: You know, one of the things that I'm partnering with a friend in my mastermind on um, are tear sheets, newspaper tear sheets.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And it looks like somebody actually tore off a newspaper, a long article, and um, putting it in the mail... And sticking a a post-it note,
1: sticky note, right? Yeah, post-it
0: note on it. Hey, we're thinking about you. Check this out. And it's a story about this awesome investor who's helping all these people Mm -hmm. uh, save their house from foreclosure because of Mm -hmm. late taxes. And by the way, (laughs) you should call this guy to get more information. So it's an advertorial, I think. Advertorial.
2: Yep, that's another another great idea. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We, um, I'll be sending those out probably in the next month or two. It'll be interesting to see how that works. but
2: Yeah, I can't wait to hear back on how you, that played out.
0: You send to that – What kind of list? Just a regular one? Well, it has to be specialty list, right? <clears throat> it's got to be – like we've been – we hired a copywriter to write different sales copy for evictions, late taxes, probates. Um, uh, I forget, like two or three others. Um. But mainly, yeah, evictions, probates, late taxes, and the article is written more along the lines of um, company helps so and so save their credit by buying their house. It, it's a it looks like a news story. So, but anyway, it's it's fascinating to think about. There's a lot of different things that you can do, and it's if it is more if there's more competitive, or if you're Customers are getting a lot of mail. It's important to make yours stand out. Uh, I like that a lot. So, on your mail that you send, Corey, is it is it more like direct response marketing? Are you telling them to go to a website to get more information? No, or no we told them to, we tell them to
2: call. Yeah, they just we just call the number. We have a girl that'll answer that phone phone call and do it direct. Yes, yeah, so we haven't okay. gotten very creative on you know go here or do that. But I'd, I'd like to. We're we're paying more attention to it now just because we want to make really sure that we're consistent with it. And our students ask us, right? So we we have to keep doing some of those things too. But um, but yeah, so we we just it's just a phone call. Just just I, I want them to have the least path of resistance to call in when they've responded, right? And so we uh, I want the girl out on the phone. Okay, so you're sending
0: mail what once a month?
2: About that, yeah, about that, about that. It, it varies on the number, but once a month in various markets, uh, depending on what's going on. Depending, when I say that, meaning like Florida, for example has deed auctions just about every month, meaning they've already been leaned, it's been a couple years, now they're about to actually have their property taken from them at the auction block, and so I want to get a hold of those people. And so that can happen every month in that particular market because that's just their schedule. Other places, it's once a year that they can mail to them or a couple times a year. And so we've got that's why we've got a handful of markets we mail to throughout the year to make sure we're doing something every month.
0: Hey, everybody. Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I've decided that I'm going to split this podcast interview with Corey Taylor into two parts, okay? So this is the end of the first part, and then part two will be coming next. So I wanted to just give a shout-out to Corey. He gave some really, really good content on this podcast, and uh, it just was getting too long. It was so good that it went uh, too long, and I'm going to actually give you some of the websites in advance that we talked about at the end of part two. All right, so uh, to get more information about Corey, you should go to taxsaletraining.com, taxsaletraining.com. He also has another website called cashflowcommanders.com, cashflowcommanders.com. And I wanted to tell you, too, one of the things we asked him at the end of part two was for him to demonstrate the software that he talks about in this podcast. So he has this special software they created where they uh, you can find properties that have late taxes and you can also create uh, marketing to go out to those folks. It tells you information about the properties. And uh, he's agreed to do a special video demonstrating that software to us, to our listeners. And he's also agreed to give us, uh, anybody who's interested, a special free 14-day trial to the software. So I've not even seen it myself yet. We have a call scheduled in a few days. He's actually going to demonstrate the software for me. I'm going to record it. And if you go to the show notes, at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to the show notes for this episode and you will find a link where you can watch that video. Um, pretty cool. So again, guys, thank you very much. We sure appreciate you Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know you like the show, would you? Appreciate it. So I'm going to hang up now. If you want part two, stay tuned because it's going to be coming soon. Thanks a lot, guys.